We have been taking time looking at the world that we are living in through the lens of Scripture. We had started out a number of weeks ago. If you haven't followed along with us, you can jump on the app or the website and do that. We first looked at the necessity of a literal Israel. Because of all of the trouble in the news, everything we're seeing, you know, uh, we looked at the necessity of that, and that God said that should happen. We looked at the necessity of prophecy. Uh, you know, one out of every four verses in the Scripture it's in, it's unavoidable, and the accuracy of it. We took a week and we looked at that. Then we looked at the necessity of today's headlines. Uh, really, what we're seeing on the news, we're seeing in the pages of Scripture as well. And then we looked at the necessity of tomorrow's headlines. And uh, certainly the Scripture clearly tells us some of the things that are going to be coming on this world shortly. And this week I want to take some time and look at just the need of the necessity of globalization, of a global government. Um, because it grates against us in many ways. Because as we watch what's happening in the world and the power brokers, we're, we're, we're not always happy about that. It grates on us the wrong way quite often. And I think biblically and scripturally, we need to understand globalization is unavoidable. There's a necessity to it. If it doesn't take place, God's word is untrustworthy. And again, God is disingenuous because he spoke to us about this very thing. And we're watching it as so many other things just kind of evolve around us. Several of our main places is Daniel 2, Daniel 7, Zechariah 10 and 12, uh, Matthew 4, Revelation 13, Revelation 17 and 18. It's a broad subject. Um, as we look at it this morning, I'm going to look at Daniel chapter 2. Those of you who remember, Daniel is the book of Revelation of the Old Testament. Daniel, carried captive to Babylon, finds himself and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, his amigo, they find themselves in a situation where they're hearing they're all going to be slaughtered because the king's had a dream, Nebuchadnezzar, it's troubled him. He's inherited from his father a bunch of soothsayers and magicians and Chaldeans that evidently are a bunch of phonies because they can't tell him. He not, he not only wants to know the interpretation, he wants to know, you tell me what I dreamed. Then I'll know I can trust your interpretation. They can't do it, so he decides he's going to cut government spending and cut them all in little pieces and make their house a dunghill. It's a, it's a great budget. And Daniel goes then to seek the Lord. He said, tell him to hold off a minute. And the Lord shows Daniel the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had, and he gives him the interpretation of this dream, of course, a huge figure with a head of gold, chest and arms of silver, the belly of bronze, thighs and legs of iron, and then feet 
of iron and, and ten toes of, of iron and miry clay. And he tells Nebuchadnezzar, this is what your dream was. This is what you saw. And then a rock came from heaven and destroyed this whole thing. And he said, Nebuchadnezzar, you are the head of gold, which I'm sure Nebuchadnezzar, he was glad to hear about that. But you're this head of gold, the kingdom of Babylon under your reign, your ruling. And next is coming this chest and arms of silver, which is the Medo-Persian Empire, which probably fielded the largest military the world had ever seen. But then Alexander the Great and the Greeks come on the scene, the belly of bronze, brass swords, brass shields, brass helmets, uh, Alexander the Great and the Greek culture. And then certainly that is overwhelmed by Rome, one approximately 167 uh, BC to 476 AD, the Roman Empire. It's the longest of the empires that we see here. Um, and as we watch, these metals are becoming less precious, but stronger as it goes on. And then actually the split, the, the, the Roman Empire, Constantinople and Rome, the two legs. And the difference with Rome is Rome is not defeated, overcome by another kingdom as Babylon is overcome by the Medo-Persians, and Medo-Persians are overcome by the Greeks, the Greeks are overcome by the Romans, but then Rome slowly disintegrates, it dissolves, and then there's a reviving of it in the very last days. It says here in Daniel chapter two, verse 40, and the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, for as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things, and as iron that breaketh all these shall break in pieces and bruise, and whereas thou sawest the feet and toes, part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, but there shall be in it of the strength of iron, for as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay, and as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay, and in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom, king, dumb from domain, king with domain is a kingdom. He shall set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it shall stand forever. And for as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, and the clay, the silver, the gold, the great God hath made known unto the king what shall come to pass hereafter. And the dream 
is certain and the interpretation thereof is sure and the greatest part of the interpretation is given to the iron and the clay this kingdom of Rome and we're going to find that again in chapter 7 we're going to find it in chapter 9 that is the greatest part of the interpretation here we hear of 10 toes and when we get to revelation we get to Daniel chapter 7 we're hearing of 10 horns in the imagery horns are a sign of authority or power somehow and we don't know how this last formation of a global government will have 10 authorities or horns or nations. We don't know how that's going to happen. What we're seeing now is not exactly that. We are seeing a reviving of the Roman Empire. It hasn't happened yet because we know when it happens, then the king of glory comes and destroys it in the days of those kings. Obviously, that has not happened. We're looking at the world around us right now, and we do see this tend towards globalization. The European Union is now the second largest economy in the world after the United States. It is the third in purchasing power after the United States and China. One-sixth of the global economy the GDP, $19.35 trillion. And of course, in Europe, we're hearing about uh, the World Health Organization, the G20, the, G20 uh, the G7, the World Economic Forum. We're hearing of all of these things taking place. You know, Basel, Switzerland seems to be the place, an international monetary fund that runs even the money here in the United States, Europe is coming to the fore in an interesting way. Uh, 2023, the population 448,387,872. That's a larger population than the United States. 27 members. I think we have a picture we could throw up so you can at least get an idea. You can see all those nations. The big white areas, Russia and so forth, are not part of, but there gives you an idea of the European Union as it stands today. Um, look, there is an agenda. They don't call me and fill me in. So this will just be my opinion today, and it will be by observation. Um, the UN agenda, and they put together what they had called Agenda 21 2030, it leaked out and they have denied it vehemently. No, we, we didn't. That, that, that's not something we said. And we trust the UN. They said there needs to be a new world order, a one world government, a global currency, one world banking system, the end of borders and national sovereignties, universal income, the end of fossil fuels, mandatory vaccines, and microchipping of citizens. 
sounds like a bad sci-fi movie, but what's really bad about it is when we listen, we understand it's within grasp. These are things. Now, when the UN was questioned about it, they said, no, we never wrote Agenda 21. That was not our work. Um, but we, we see these things happening around us. Look, you and I all, several years ago, went through COVID-19. And, you know, you, we, we have something called crisis management, where sometimes either the crisis evolves or the crisis is produced. And then once that crisis takes center stage, you then present, you know, the management strategy for it which, of course, everybody had a lockdown, everybody had to wear masks, everybody had to get vaccinated. They, they, so they're saying what we learn from that now is if there is another global pandemic, we all have to cooperate. Because there's travel now, people get on planes, people spread around, you know, pathogens and so forth find it much easier to go across national borders. So they're saying there needs to be a global response now to pandemics. There needs to be global cooperation. There needs to be global cooperation in regards to climate change. In regards to pollution of the air, the soil, and the oceans. There needs to be global response to the proliferation of nuclear weapons. There needs to be a global response and the proper use of the internet and personal technology, which means, you know, one side of that's great, the other side is they want to take away our freedoms. There needs to be globalization in regards to the ending of wars. And everybody's ready to agree with that. These things are put in front of us every day. We see them all. Here's the thing, the rub, you know, for you and I, and if not for you, this is the rub for me. Um, behind the scenes, who is the puppet master? Who's at work? You know, again, is the Antichrist alive? Have the aliens landed? What the heck is going on? You know, something very dark is behind the morals and the morass of things that are going on happening around us. We know this, that when Jesus walked the earth, that when he was fasting and he was hungry, Satan came to him and tempted him. And one of the things he said is, if you bow down and worship me, I will give you, and he showed him all of the kingdoms of the world, all of the glory and all of the power of them. And Satan said, because they're given to me and to whomsoever, I will give them. So ultimately, human globalization outside of God's work is driven by a very malevolent force. There's something very dark behind it. And you and I are well aware that there is a handful of multi-billionaires right now that have their hand on the steering wheel. It is no longer, a number of years ago, talking to somebody in an agency in another country, um, I asked about a political figure, and I said, did the Europeans put this person in power? He said, no. Europeans? He said, there are no more geographical borders 
There are only multinational corporations that run the world. Money runs the world, not geography. And he wouldn't talk to me about anything else, but he was a guy who was in the know. So we see this handful of people, they want us to eat bugs, you know, it just we, whoever they are, it's hard, it's hard to imagine. And uh, they're pushing towards this globalization. You know, we have this organization that they call FANG, F-A-A-N-G, which is Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, and Google. And we're not the only country. You know, China has a bunch of their own besides TikTok. And when you hear TikTok, you should hear time ticking away. That's what you should hear when you hear TikTok, because Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming, and time is running out. Artificial intelligence. There's no such thing as artificial intelligence. That's just software that some real intelligence or somebody who thinks they're intelligent produced. It wasn't produced artificially. There's no artificial intelligence. There's only human intelligence you know, managing other human beings through a means of information and data. But now more and more, we're hearing all about artificial intelligence. Here's the thing for you and I, maybe just selfishly, you know, how do we feel? The more we become aware, the more we feel this undertow that has no regard for our approval or cooperation. The thing that bothers us, we watch the news, we watch the movers and shakers, we watch the billionaires, we watch the border, we watch the government, we watch the wars, we watch what's going on, and, and, and just the sense of it is there's an undertow here, there's something taking place that has no regard at all for your approval or my approval. And that eats at me. That eats at me. Because I want to believe my vote matters. I want to believe that my citizenship matters. Um, but the more I look at this, the more I realize there is a way that I need to be looking at these things. Yes, I should be a good citizen of Philadelphia and of the United States. That's my testimony. Uh, I should use whatever privileges I have in this nation wisely, uh, seeking the Lord, asking his direction in regards to those things. But you and I, as we look at Daniel 2 or Daniel 7, we have to realize that God, our Savior, has a predetermined plan in history for globalization. All humanity today is moving accordingly. You know, Revelation, it tells us in chapter 11, just be patient with me while I, while I find it here. Revelation chapter 11, verse 15, 
says, And the seventh angel sounded. There was a great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and we shall reign forever and forever. There is a globalization coming because of the goodness and the grace and the love of God. This counterfeit globalization can never be what is in his heart and what he wants to see. Because this present globalization, the more it coalesces, and look, there are people, no doubt, some with good intentions. They, 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 they don't want to see the, you know, the climate change. They're just ill-informed, that's all. Certainly, they don't want to see nuclear war. I don't want to see that. There are people that desire, but then there are other people that are smarter, that are just want to be in control. And behind that, there's a malevolent force that's trying to pull together the whole world to bow the knee, Satan, before him. And Christ wouldn't do that. And he said, if, if you bow down and worship me, I'll give you all of the kingdoms, all of the powers, and so forth in this world. And the problem with human globalization is it lends itself to human rule. And when, when there's a one-world government, there ends up to be a one-world leader. And that ends up to be tyrannical because human beings are fallen and sinful. But that's not the globalization that's in the heart of God, which is coming. It says here, in the days of these kings, Shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed? That's globalization. That's how we have to think about the days that we're living. The days that we're living are not just, row, row, uh, what do we do? Uh, I don't like this. No, the days that we're living are saying to you and I, in the days that you're living now, the king of heaven is coming and he's going to set up his kingdom and there will never be an end to his globalization. That's how we have to think about this. It's coming. And he said there's going to be a counterfeit before he comes. If that didn't happen, the word of God's not true. We need to be anticipating and understanding where this is going and its predetermined history. There was a kingdom of gold that was replaced by a kingdom of silver, which was replaced by a kingdom of brass, which was replaced by a kingdom of iron. The flow of humanity and civilizations and governments are predetermined and God wrote them out ahead of time and understood them clearly including the days that you and I happen to be living in right now, the world is moving towards a globalization unimagined, not under the Antichrist, but under Jesus Christ. In those days, that's where we're coming. And when he sets up his kingdom, you know, we're told... There's going to be a river that flows from Jerusalem that will heal the waters of the world. 
the seasons of sowing and reaping will be so blessed that uh, the sower will be slowed down by those still reaping the fields. We're told that the desert will blossom and bring forth. We're told that the lion and the lamb will lay down together. There's going to be peace, not just amongst nations, but in, in all of life. We're told there's going to be a throne in Jerusalem. There's going to be a global leader, and he will rule the world from Jerusalem, and there will be peace. We are headed there. Our hearts should be upon that. It tells us longevity will be restored again, and people that will live, you know, into their old age are going to be eight, nine hundred years old. Imagine. 100, 100, 200, you're just starting to date. <laughs> it's important for us to have the right perspective on globalization because you and I have a global mission. We're to go into all the world and to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have a global mission that trumps any globalization going on around us that Satan can't stop, that government can't stop, that legislation can't stop, because one soul at a time, people can be filled with the Spirit, they can be saved, and their destiny can be changed. And the word of God, Paul says, is not bound. There's no way to stop that. Look, the current generation of believers, you and I, we have opportunity never seen before to reach every tongue, every tribe, every nation with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look around. Look around. You know the truth. You're waiting for Christ to come. We can get so jaded by the world that we forget that God so loved the world that he said his only begotten son that whoever would believe would not perish but have everlasting life. You, look around. Don't look down. Average Americans spend over five hours a day looking into that stupid screen that's telling him how to think and how to live and what he really wants. Look around. Look at your neighbor. Because I'll tell you what we're seeing. We're seeing a wonderful hopelessness. We're seeing a blessed discouragement. We have people coming and saying, what's happening? What's going on? I had a call last week from someone who said, I was talking to my friends, and we're, I can't repeat because of his vocabulary, but we, you know, we were looking, what's going on? And I said, I had a call, you know, because he'll know what the, is going on. You know, just, we had a great conversation, and just emptiness and desperation. And anybody who's thinking whether it's the mobile device, the news, whatever it is, they're scratching their heads saying, what the heck? 
Who's in charge? What's going on here? What's going on with fentanyl? What's going on with morals? What's going on with war? What, what's going to happen to my kids? What's going to happen to my grandkids? There is a blessed hopelessness and discouragement all around us, and our mission is global. We have a global mission, and it just starts, it's one person at a time. There's no program that can stop that. It happens in prison, it happens in the hospital, it happens in schools. One person at a time. Look at your neighbor, your mom, your dad, your son or your daughter, your classmate, your friend. And tell them about a God who wants them to know that he understands the days that they're living in. And that he wants them to understand that there's a hope beyond this world. Tell them about his love. That's globalization. Tell them about his forgiveness. Tell them about the cross. Tell them about his blood. Tell them about his resurrection. Tell them about his ascension. Tell them about his return. Tell this lost world one person at a time. One person. Who do you know this week? I'm telling you, we're seeing people come in, some backslidden, and they're realizing, man, this is going bad, and they're coming back. Some are coming for the first time. What's going on? Tell us what's happening. Because there's a hopelessness out there that's gnawing in unsaved people. You think it's gnawing at us because it's all happening without our approval, and then we just gets under our skin. No, no. For the unsaved person, this is eating at them. It's eating at them. And there is an openness now that we have never seen. And you and I have an opportunity that no generation of believers has ever had with our mobile devices, with technology, with the influence those things should have in our life for good. And our mobile devices are great servants. They're just cruel masters. You think of the people that are lost, thirsty, deceived, multitudes to be saved, one person at a time, one neighbor at a time, one mom, one dad, one aunt, one uncle, one grandson, one granddaughter. One husband, one wife. Have you told them about the love of God? Have you told them about the grace of Jesus Christ? Have you told them it doesn't matter what they're doing? He paid the price on the cross. The thief next to him got saved. Have you told them who he is and what he's done? Because he has a plan of globalization. <laughs> and I cannot wait till he sets up his kingdom. His kingdom is coming. Human-based globalism will lead 
to tyranny by a one-world government and a one-world leader, the Antichrist. And you and I, the world we're living in, is one crisis away from that manifestation. And once the dominoes begin to fall, they're going to go. And if that's all we see and all we think about, we're not rich in our generation the way God wants us to be. Because what we need to be thinking about as we look at the news is in the days of these kings shall the Lord come from heaven and set up a kingdom that shall never end. In the days of these kings, put, make a bumper sticker, put it on your television. Put a sticker on your television screen before you turn it on. Get a little sticker on your mobile device. In the days of these kings, the real king is coming. In the days of these little kings who think they're big kings, the real king is coming. And he don't want us to eat bugs. He doesn't want us to teach our children about immorality and gender confusion. He doesn't want us to have war and hatred and bigotry. He wants us to come to Jerusalem, the city of the great king. Globalism is a necessity. It's unavoidable. It's God's plan. There is a counterfeit form of globalism. Bless you. That is coalescing right now before us. But we have this incredible opportunity in the middle of it to share God's love that contradicts all of that. The real king. The real kingdom. It's in front of us. You know, Paul, when he stood at Mars Hill talking to the greatest pool of quote-unquote quote, intellects of his day, said that God hath made of one blood all nations of men to dwell in all the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation that they should seek the Lord if haply they may feel after him and find him, though he be not very far from any of them. He's this far away, your mouth to their ear, your demonstration to their eye, your kindness to their brokenness. Tell them, Tell them there's going to be a revival. It'll be one person at a time. The moving of God's spirit through God's sons and daughters. Tell them we are headed towards a global government. Oh, Lord, unimaginable. And it is coming. Let's stand. Let's pray.
Lord Jesus, we thank you for these things, Lord. And the, 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 we have to sit back, Lord, maybe alone in, in the morning with our Bibles or the afternoon, Lord. We have to read these things because what assaults our eyes and our ears is the constant media, the constant outcry, the constant protests and the, the, the unsettledness of culture and of nations and war. Lord, there's something else that tries to outshout, Lord, the voice of your spirit, which we believe will always be triumphant. The truth of your word, which will endure when heaven and earth passes away. Lord, forgive us. Lord, we can be complacent. We can put all our energy in the wrong direction. You love this lost world. They don't understand that you have feelings for them. We're still learning that, Lord. Here we are, Lord. Fill us afresh with your spirit, Lord. Let us, by your grace and power, be a light in this dark world, Lord. Let us bear truth, Lord, to broken hearts. We pray, Lord Jesus, in your name and for your glory. Amen.